Our subject for consideration at this time is spiritual death. Our text is found in the book of Romans, chapter 8 and verse 6. The book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 6. We read, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Please note, the apostle says, To be carnally minded is death. We might ask, What kind of death? Well, we trust we shall answer that question in the course of the message. There are three kinds of death spoken of in Scripture. First, spiritual, physical, and eternal death. However, our primary concern at this time has to do with spiritual death. We will consider spiritual death as to its first origination. Secondly, perpetuation. Thirdly, aggravation. And finally and fourthly, it's elimination for God's people. Ere we embark upon the execution of this order, I believe a definition of the term spiritual death will serve to enhance our understanding of some otherwise vague statements I will make in the course of the message. First, definition of spiritual death. It is not physical death. Physical death is separation of the soul from the body. Elijah, the prophet of God, in raising the widow's son from physical death, prayed, saying, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. 1 Kings 17, 21 and 22. Physical death is the invariable result of the soul's departure from the body. As long as the soul remains in the body, there is physical life in the body. Spiritual death is the separation of the soul from God. Spiritual death means that man has lost all moral likeness to God, or the forfeiture of his original innocence. It means that man's moral and religious nature has been utterly corrupted and that his spiritual intellect is destitute of wisdom, and that his affections are grossly perverted. Paul said, The natural mind is enmity against God. Romans 8 and verse 7. And speaking of lost man's affections, the Bible says, He loves darkness, the pleasures of the world, lies, and that he hates Christ, his word, and his people. Spiritual death means that man's will is in absolute bondage to his old nature. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, Ye will not come to me that ye might have life, speaking unto unsaved people. They had no spiritual life in them. Hence, no need to come to Christ. Also, Christ said, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. John 6 and verse 44. The reason no man can come to Christ is because all men by nature are dead in trespasses and sins. Ephesians 2 verse 1. That is, they are spiritually dead. No spiritual free will in unregenerate men. Natural free will, but no spiritual free will. The bottom line is, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8 verse 8. The only thing a physically dead man can do is stink, 
and he cannot even do that by himself. The elements must first work on him. The only thing a spiritually dead person can do is evil, and this makes him stink in God's holy nostrils. David, speaking of his spiritual sickness, said, My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. I am sure we all have seen a dead tree. The tree is dead because there is no sap in it. Sap is a watery-like substance which flows through the vascular system of vegetation, imparting life to it. A tree is not dead very long until it gets a moldy smell to it. That smell comes from decay and rottenness in the tree. We may tie peaches on a dead peach tree, but that will not give the tree life, and the peaches would be wasted. Of course, no one is so foolish as to do that in the natural realm, but in the spiritual realm, they are not so wise. A spiritually dead person may tie a lot of what is called good works on his old nature, and he will call attention to them, and we may rightfully compliment him because of them. But in God's sight, they are as filthy rags, and filthy rags cannot help but smell, yea, to the highest heavens. So it is. Spiritual death means there is no communion with God, that the will, the intellect, and emotions of the natural man are all perverted. In a word, it means that the natural man is anti-God, pro-self. It means that man has become a God unto himself, and that his heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Beloved, in the fall, as in Adam, all turned introspectively, turned unto themselves, became autolatrous. And autolatry is the very worst form of idolatry. Now let us consider, first, the origin of spiritual death. In order to consider the origin of man's spiritual death, it is necessary that we retrogress in time. That is, go back in time to the early dawn of man's history and view him prior to his spiritual death and immediately after that death. For a person's biography to be fully complete, it must begin with Genesis 2-7, which reads, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. I would call your attention to the word life in this text, Genesis 2-7. In the Hebrew, it is plural, meaning lives. This is important for many reasons, and one is, it should keep us from the Romanist theory of perpetual creation, which theory contends that every time a child is conceived in the womb, God at the time of conception creates another soul. This view does away with man's spiritual connection to Adam. But beloved, the Bible tells us all men were created in Adam, and sadly, in Adam all died. Let us now see man in the Garden of Eden. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Adam at this time, with his soul clinging fast to God, is in sweet fellowship with his Creator. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day, for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. For Adam's eternal health and happiness, God had made every provision, the sublimity of which defies human description. 
God invoked only one restriction, and that was not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God's generosity and liberality towards man is deliberately abused by Adam, and his disobedience is spelled out in three small but earth-shaken words. He did eat, Genesis 3, 6. Those three small words rend the heart of all true believers. He did eat. Adam rebelled against God and ate of the forbidden fruit. Hence, the threatened penalty became a reality in the experience of Adam. Thus we read, Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden. Sin caused us to lose our first home. And so great a home it was. All too many homes are in our time lost to sin. The divorce courts attest to this dreadful truth. With Adam's sin came spiritual death. This is why he thinks he can hide from God. And it is why he thinks he can cover his sin. The soul damning era of baptismal salvation, good work salvation, decisional salvation, etc., are all the stinking fruits of spiritual death and are the result of a deceived and desperately wicked heart. Dear saints, having trusted in Christ, do you not yet know something of the heartache of being separated from God? Has not the spiritual death with which you came into this world left your body in a shambles? Do you not often, as our beloved Paul did, groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to win the redemption of the body? Bless God, beloved, in Christ Jesus, all of His people, all of their bodies have been redeemed. We must wait the due season for that transformation. Be it understood, we were not merely allied with Adam in his rebellion against God, but we were in him at the time and acted as fully as he acted in defying God. No person ever goes to hell because of a sin of an ancestor, be it the sin of Adam or that of our immediate parents. But sin is a personal matter between every man and God. That is why Paul said in Romans 14:12, Therefore every man shall give an account of himself unto God. Adam tried to blame his wife for his sin, and multiplied millions in our day tried to blame Adam for their sin. However, the Scripture says, They are all the human family. They are all gone out of the way. None that doeth good. This is in the past tense and present tense and is inclusive of all men, Adam and all of his posterity. In Genesis 3.23, Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden. Adam at this time has been restored to the saving favor of God, but the untasty fruit of the curse yet clings to his body. And that sweet intimacy which he once enjoyed has now turned to suffering, sweat, and sorrow. The Lord says to man, Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Genesis 3, verse 17. Sin has separated man from God, and has raised up an impenetrable wall between man and God. God is inaccessible to the natural man. There is a flaming and impassable gulf between man and God, which must be crossed ere man is recovered from spiritual death. Israel as a nation, had become carnally minded. They were spiritually separated from God. And God's prophet, faithful to his mission, tells it like it is. Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. And your sins 
have hid his face from you that he will not hear. The way of peace they know not. And the nation said, We walk in darkness. Isaiah 59, verses 2, 8, and 9. No, we walk in darkness, blind to all spiritual reality, accomplishing nothing but bruises which break out in putrefying sores. Being unconscious of the true light, they revel in their blindness. As Christ puts it, men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. And he, further says, For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. John three nineteen and 20. Our blessed Savior said, I am the light of the world. But he also said, Men of the world hate the light. There are three kinds of blindness which arouses the heart of every saved person to genuine sympathy. First, there is physical blindness. The hand of compassion reaches forth in gentleness to all so afflicted. Then, too, there is mental blindness. These are the helpless of the helpless and call forth the sincerest pity. Then there is spiritual blindness. While physical blindness and mental blindness are dreadful, they are at their very worst only temporal. For one day every eye shall see Christ and every mind shall acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus. But spiritual blindness, of which every person is afflicted by nature, can be and is often eternally devastating. Thus it is our text equates spiritual blindness with spiritual death and spiritual sight with life and peace. Thus we have discovered that the origin of spiritual death in the family of man dates from the time of Adam's transgression in the Garden of Eden. And so it is that Paul says, while looking back at that scene and event, Romans 5 and verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. What man needs, beloved? Well, Adam and Eve are the only two people who were not born spiritually dead. They were the direct creation of God. All others are born into this world spiritually dead. Brother and sister, note in Romans 5.12, Beloved, it is spiritual death that Paul refers to. And he says, In the day, God speaking to Adam, and note, In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Spiritual death came upon Adam, for physical death did not pass upon all men. Yea, the far great majority suffer physical death. But there are two men already that have escaped it, and that eternally, Enoch and Elijah. And in the rapture, when Christ comes again for His people, millions multiplied will miss the grave. Secondly, let us note the perpetuation of spiritual death. It is unnecessary in this assembly to detail the long and infamous history of spiritual death. However, it is recorded in the Bible in the most graphic language, a denial of which is to show that spiritual death has made its long trek down to the present time. Paul, in one broad, sweeping, and all-comprehensive statement, connects the past with the present. He says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And looking into the future, he says, Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 2 Timothy 3.13 So it is. 
social science with all of its sophisticated rehabilitation programs have not in the least degree hindered the progress of spiritual death, much less reversing it or erasing it. 20th century man is as depraved as 1st century man. Our Lord says that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and he puts no date upon it. He is not more depraved, but he has compounded his guilt by finding more ways to vent his depravity. Paul says of his generation, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that seeketh after God. Then turning his thoughts towards our time, our contemporary period, he says, and I want to read from 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce-breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fearless, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. There you have it in the sacred record. Three sciences which have become exceedingly popular in the last 30 years are psychiatry, psychology, and sociology. As good as these sciences are in their place, they are impotent as regards spiritual death. All of these have to do with man's intellect. And, beloved, they start there and they stop there. What man needs is not psychology but theology, not psychiatry but a new mind. There are many books written today and very popular under the heading, How to Win Friends and Influence Others. However, beloved, there is no friendship outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And outside of Christ, none can be influenced beneficially. What spiritually dead men need is not sociology, but Christology. What lost man needs is not so much how to know and get along with others as it is to know God and how to get along with Him. Beloved, if we get along with God, we will not have too great of a problem getting along with others. What spiritually dead men need is not social rehabilitation, but spiritual regeneration. According to the divine standard of righteousness, the person apart from Christ is morally dead. The ultimate in ethics and etiquette can never generate the first spark of spiritual energy. Spiritual life precedes all beneficial learning, and to know Christ is to know life. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Man's idea of what life is and that which the Bible presents to be life are poles apart. Man looks upon the combination of material gain and pleasure and says, Man, that's what I call living. But God in mercy has warned, saying, She that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. 1 Timothy 5, 6. She or he of this text is an animated corpse with physical motion, but totally destitute of spiritual energy. Herein is the real energy crisis. Our Bible tells us, in Christ was life, and the life was the light of men. Beloved, spiritual life begets spiritual energy. In Him we live and move and have our being, says the Apostle Paul. Physical animation without salvation often, dear ones, lead to damnation. 
What man needs is not better locomotion, but promotion from spiritual death to eternal life. Let me refer you to two texts of Scripture which to the natural mind are not only paradoxical, but contradictory. But to those who know the truth as it is in Jesus, though they sign their name with an X, see the great truth their Savior sets forth in the words of these texts. First, in Matthew 8.22, our Lord says, Follow me, and let the dead bury the dead. Now we know Christ is not saying every time somebody dies that there will be a resurrection, and that corpses will come out of the grave and bury their fellow corpse. So then, what is he saying? Simply, he is saying that the spiritually dead, which are yet alive physically, bury their own physical dead, and that such a matter should not be put above that of the exercise of spiritual life. One man petitioned the Lord, said, Let me go first and bury my father. Our Lord said unto him, Follow me, and let the dead bury their dead. It does not mean a person should not attend the funeral service of a loved one, though they believe that loved one to be spiritually dead. But it does mean attendance to the funeral should not interrupt nor interfere with our services unto God. Second verse of Scripture that I want to refer you to now, Matthew 22, verse 32. I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Matthew, I will give you the reference again. Matthew 22, verse 32. These words were originally spoken to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 6. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had been dead for over 400 years, yet they were spiritually alive, and God was yet their God. But the spiritual dead do not recognize him to be God. Therefore he says, God is not the God of the dead. Those quickened by the Spirit, made spiritually alive, carry around as a heavy weight the debris of their former spiritual death. The born-again person has been delivered from the curse upon his soul, but sin has been condemned in the flesh, that is, in the mind, the will, and the emotions, and these plague his every step like a millstone around his neck. This is what Paul meant when he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Romans 7 and verse 24. This is not a question of ignorance by the Apostle Paul, but he asked to show the extensive bondage and burden of spiritual death. Looking beyond this time, Paul says, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath in store for them that love him. And in another place this great Apostle said, Speaking of and looking beyond the horizon of this time. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Romans 8 and verse 18. Then thirdly, spiritual death aggravated, intensified, and worsened. The grave does not end all. For Christ says in John 5, 28 and 29, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth. Somebody said if Jesus had not abused the name, the personal name Lazarus, when he raised him from the grave, and would have said simply, Come forth, without using any qualifying name, all the dead would have come forth. Let us continue reading this scripture. They that have done good shall come forth unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Ancient 
pagan eschatology says, let us eat, drink, and be merry. Modern eschatology says, row, row your boat down the stream, gently down the stream. Life is but a dream. Beloved, don't you believe it? A man told me of his brother who had lived in Toledo. The man had a number of successful businesses in that city, and he kept him busy just collecting and counting his money. He finally retired and ventured out on the good time trail, which he had worked so hard for all of his life. He started drinking heavy and crowding his life with vacations and good times. Finally, he concluded, this is not the answer. I've wasted my life. He put a gun to his head, said he was going to end it all, and committed suicide. Well, sadly, sadly, he did not end it all. Beloved, there is more time, there is more than threescore and ten years to our existence. Yea, every man, woman, boy, and girl is born for eternity. The Scripture says of those who leave this life while spiritually dead, the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night. Revelation 14, verse 11. Physical death does not remedy a thing for man, that is, lost man. It aggravates their condition beyond description. Peter says their latter end is worse than their beginning. Second Peter 2 and verse 20. The flames of cancer ravage the body, and a thousand other things may serve to aggravate the spiritual death state of those yet on the earth. But the worst suffering, yea, a lifetime of excruciating suffering, cannot be compared with the aggravation that the body and soul shall suffer in the eternal burnings. We read from the Word, from the Word of God, Fear not them which kill the body, disease and destruction of all sorts, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather, to the contrary, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That is eternal death. Revelation twenty twelve through 15. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The dead, in this reference, are those yet spiritually dead, in their resurrected but condemned bodies. The standing position denotes sentencing, and the sentence is immediately executed. For we read, In whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. At that time the harvest of Egypt is reaped, the massive harvest. And all who die in their sins shall stand there, in their physical bodies, in their physiological being, and hear this faithful, fearful, everlasting pronouncement, Depart from ye, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. Then fourthly, spiritual death eliminated for all who trust in Christ. Second Timothy 1, 9 and 10. Who has saved us? Note that, writing to Christians. Who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works. There goes all of our supposed goodness. But according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, antedating time, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, who hath abolished death, that is, abolished all death that related to our destiny, and hath brought life and immortality to light 
through the gospel.